Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear and meditate upon this morning is from the book of Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 to 17. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and honor and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Friday, after we took Kaylee to her morning appointments down in Madison, Vanessa and I went to check out a campground that we thought, well, maybe we would camp at it for a couple days later this summer. So we just wanted to go uh, and check it out and see what it was like. The problem was Friday was not a good day to go check out campgrounds, even though I usually like camping. It was so hot on Friday and so humid that while I was there, I, I just couldn't help but thinking, why? Why would I camp out here in this heat when I have a, a nice air-conditioned home uh, that I can go to? In our text this morning, Jesus is the good shepherd who leads his people out of the desert, out of the heat, out of the great tribulation to his air-conditioned home, to the, the perfection, the paradise of his kingdom of heaven. And we see that great multitude waiting there, that the good shepherd has led through tribulation. In Revelation chapter 6, the chapter just before our text, John has seen the opening of the first six seals. There's seven seals altogether. He's seen the opening of the first six. And nothing much good came out of those first six seals. The first four were the one uh, different horses, four different horses, which brought, and they all brought terrible things, death, destruction, inflation, disease. The fifth was the soul of the martyred, the souls of the martyred saints, and the sixth, well, the the sky was falling and the moon was turning to red. Everything was was falling apart. So it's easy when you read through chapter six of Revelation and see the death and the destruction, uh, the tribulation of this world. It's easy to think. It would have been easy for John to think. It's easy for us to think. Who can, who can possibly make it through all that to the, to the heavenly home that's waiting? And here in chapter 7, we see that answer. We see the Lamb, the good shepherd, who leads this great multitude. It's not just one or two that may get through, is it? But it's this 
host, this great multitude, which no one can number, which the good shepherd led safely through that tribulation and brought them to the shade, the peace, the rest that he has prepared for them. A great multitude from every tribe and tongue and nation, every ethnicity, uh, every language, uh, every culture, the the shepherd's people, the good shepherd's people uh, from all over the world. It's not just Israelites. It's not just Germans, right? It's not just whites, but every culture and every tongue, the Lord has brought them home. Of course, one of our own recently joined this great number, this great multitude. Uh, Perhaps some of you remember last week that I was praying for Don Casey, that the Lord would heal him. And what I didn't know, but some of you knew, was that the Lord had already healed him perfectly a greater healing than than he could ever have received on this earth because even as i was praying for it god had already taken him from this great tribulation to his heavenly home to this uh this peace this rest of the lamb the israelite people many of you may remember had three major festivals that god commanded them that they were to celebrate Uh, Many of us are familiar with the first one, the Passover. That's the one we're probably most familiar with. Uh, The second one, Pentecost. Well, that one, we're probably familiar with the name at least because we also celebrate Pentecost, although in a much different way and for a different reason uh, than they did. So we're at least familiar with the name if if maybe we don't maybe know that much about the the Israelite uh, celebration of Pentecost. And the third one was the Festival of Booths. And so here we have, this is later in the year, after the harvest, the Israelites would come to Jerusalem to offer thanksgiving for the harvest, right? And they would come and they would uh, build booths or tents, these temporary structures. And God had specifically told them that they were to make these, these booths, these tents, out of living branches. That is, branches that were still green with foliage, with leaves. And so historians tell us how all of Jerusalem and even uh, surrounding Jerusalem uh, would just turn green at this time of the year as these people put up these green tents, these green booths, all over the, uh, every rooftop, every wall, uh, even in the streets of the city uh, were covered then with these green leaves that they used to build these tents. This was, of course, a reminder of how the Israelites had for a long time journeyed, wandered in the wilderness, and yet God had brought them out of that wandering. He brought them out of that wilderness into the rest and the shade of his promised land. And so the, the festival of booze was not only a festival of thanksgiving for this year's harvest, right? But it was a even more importantly a festival of thanksgiving for all the harvests, for the land itself, for the good shepherd who led them through the wilderness into this promised land. It's not really surprising then that here our text, Revelation chapter 7, uh, we see a lot of allusions to this very festival. Because what do we have in chapter 7? What do we have in our text? But the same festival. The people of God giving thanks that God brought them out of the wilderness, the great tribulation, into his promised land. Actually, though, it's probably the other way around, isn't it? It's probably (coughs) the festival of booths that has a lot of symbols, a lot of allusions to here, because here we have the real thing, the true goal, uh, the real rest and peace that God gives his people. And so God, when he commanded the Israelites uh, how they were supposed to celebrate the festival of booths, he gave them symbols to cause them and us to look forward to and understand the rest that is ours to come. 
Jesus is the good shepherd, of course, that does lead us through the tribulation of these days and lead us through to that oasis, that peace that is waiting for us uh, in heaven. One of the uh, allusions, one of the connections between our text and the Festival of Booths is the use of palm branches. Uh, palm branches give us the symbol of shade and peace in the midst of the desert. And you'll notice the, the great multitude, which no one can number, what are they carrying in their hands? They're carrying palm branches. Imagine yourself in the wilderness, wandering in the desert, in the heat of the desert, and what's at the top of your list of good of things that would be a good sight for sore eyes, right? Uh, what's at the top of your list of things you'd like to see while you're wandering through the desert? Well, at the very top of your list, it might be, well, an air-conditioned Dairy Queen. But <coughs> assuming that that's not possible, you're probably not going to find an air-conditioned Dairy Queen in the middle of the desert. What's well, next on the list? Palm trees. In the middle of the heat of the desert, palm trees indicate shade and water. There's an oasis there. And actually, palm trees to us today have a very similar connotation, don't they? Because we associate them with vacation on, uh, on tropical islands. And so it, well, you go there to rest and relax and, and to receive uh, shade from the weariness of this world. When the Israelites left uh, Egypt, and after they had crossed the Red Sea, remember God opened the Red Sea and, and let them pass through on dry ground. So immediately after escaping from the Egyptians, the next thing we are told, the next thing that happens, is that the Lord led them to Elam, where there were 70 palm trees, and where they camped by water. So having escaped from the enemy, God led them to, to shade, to peace in the middle of the desert there. And when God commanded the Israelites how they were to celebrate the festival of booths we were talking about before, he specifically commanded that they were to use palm branches that were still green uh, with foliage <coughs> to build their structures as a reminder, as a symbol of the God who gave them rest and shade even in the wilderness. When Solomon built his temple, he covered the temple with, guess what? Well, you guessed it, right? Palm trees. He covered the temple inside and out, and even the doors of the temple everywhere, he etched carved palm trees into the temple. No doubt that also then was a symbol to the people of Israel. Here is the place where you can come and find shade, that is, find rest from the troubles, from the tribulation of this world. In the, the desert of this world, God is our palm tree that gives us shade. And of course, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people met him with palm branches. No doubt, partially, part of the reason was uh, symbolizing that here comes the king who can give us rest and shade from our enemies. In our text, the great multitude then also is at the Feast of the Lamb holding palm branches. And later on in verse 16 of our text, what does it say? The sun will not strike them by day nor any heat. Jesus is our good shepherd, our palm tree, that gives us shade from the heat of this life. You know, when it gets too hot out, when the sun gets too hot, we very naturally and automatically look for shade. Now, that shade may come in the form of an air-conditioned house. Ideally, that's where we might find shade, right? But sometimes oh, we can't go home or we, can't, or we don't have AC or whatever. And we find any kind of shade that we, can, that we can, maybe a tree, maybe it's just a hat, a cap on our head to give us at least a little shade from that hot sun. 
Unfortunately, we don't often have the same attitude when it comes to spiritual and emotional and mental heat. When the pressures of this life, when the sin of this world become too much to bear, when we feel like we're cooking, not physically, but uh, symbolically, figuratively, when we feel like we're cooking uh, under the pressure of this world, under the heat of this world, in the tribulation of this world, we often don't go and find what shade we can. Here we have the good shepherd who promises to give us shade, and he gives it to us in his word. And so often uh, when we're experiencing difficulties, uh, we don't go to find that rest, the shade that Jesus promises us. Just the other day I was talking to a member about the importance of when pressures become too great, going to God's word, looking up Psalm 23 or Psalm 46 or, or reading the book of Philippians or some other favorite passages, plenty of, uh, in Isaiah and in the Psalms and other words as well, and finding that rest, that, that shade from the, the pressures and the tribulation and the trouble of this life. Jesus is our good shepherd and he does indeed lead us to, to shade and to rest. Another connection between our text and that festival of booths is uh, the use of water. In our, text, in our text, we're told that he leads them to fountains of living water. During the festival of booths, uh, the priests would actually pour, they would draw water out of the pool of Siloam, and then they would pour it uh, into these silver basins. That was part of the festival. And on the last day of the festival, they would do this. They would pour out the water while reading Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name. It was probably during this very event, it was certainly during the last day of the festival of booths, that Jesus stood up and proclaimed what we hear in John 7:37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, the feast that John is talking about there is the, the festival of booths. So it's the last day of the festival of booths. Probably right while the priest was pouring out that water, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And so even as the priest was pouring out that water in Isaiah 12, verse 3, was being read, and Jesus himself stood up and said, I am that living water. You can find a water for your thirsty souls in me. Jesus is our good shepherd that leads us to clean, pure, living water. One of the things that I often look for when I'm trying to decide which campsite or which campground I want to go to is I like to find campsites that are, are right on the water. It's really kind of a lot of fun if you can camp <coughs> right on the water. There's a campground uh, just south of La Crosse where you can camp right on the Mississippi and just get up and throw your line in and fish right there from your campsite or, or push your kayak out and uh, go for a morning kayak. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But of course, not all water uh, is equal. Not all water is the same. It's one thing to camp right on the banks of the Mississippi. That's a lot of fun. It's quite a different thing to camp like right on the bank of a, of a stagnant pond that breeds mosquitoes. That wouldn't be so much fun, would it? Not all water is equal. Some of it is clean and pure. Some of it is obviously filthy, and you wouldn't want to drink it. Some of it looks clean and pure, but actually has things in it that you don't want to drink, right? I know over in Africa, you, you hear about and learn about all the things that are in the water over there. And you don't, you really, when you, when you hear about it, you don't want to touch that water, even if it looks clean and pure, uh, when you hear about the things that live in that water. When Jesus talks about the water of life, he makes it clear he's talking about his word. 
The water of life is his word, which gives life to our souls. And words are like water. Some of them are <coughs> clean and pure. Jesus' word is. Some of them are obviously filthy and dirty and, and words that we don't want to hear or don't want to be using ourselves. But there is much out there that looks clean and pure and good, but has hidden evils in it, things that would lead us to sin. This is why we want to be careful uh, about who we ask advice from or what advice we take and who we listen to uh, for the advice for our life and which words we make a part of our life. Because a lot of it sounds good on the surface but has sin hidden right underneath. One good example that you hear a lot these days is, well, it's better for people to live together before marriage to make sure that they're compatible and make sure they're going to have a good marriage. That sounds like wisdom from a human point of view, but God's word makes it clear that there is sin hidden there, right? Or another example that you hear a lot these days is, well, God wants me to be happy. Well, that sounds good, right? Oh, God, yeah, God does want us to be happy, but it's always, almost always, that phrase is almost always followed by therefore and then some sin. Therefore, I'm going to do this or therefore I'm going to do that because, well, God wants me to be happy. Again, something that might sound good or look good on the surface, but there are evils hidden within. That's why, as Jesus tells us in our gospel reading, right, we want to be careful that we listen only to the voice of our good shepherd. Our good shepherd will never lead us to water that is dangerous or harmful. Our good shepherd will always lead us only to clean, good water. And a lot of times we might not understand why Jesus leads us past certain springs or certain ponds. And be like, oh, this seems like a good place. Let's stop here, Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to drink from that. Uh, we don't want that to be a part of our life. Because Jesus knows what water is clean and good. And he is the good shepherd that leads us to that pure water, the pure water uh, that, which is his word. Another similarity between our text and uh, the Festival of Booths is the fact that, well, here in our text, the lamb dwells in their midst. When you think about camping again, uh, camping can be a lot of fun. You know, even if it's not the perfect campsite, even if it is a little too hot out, it can be a lot of fun, especially if you camp with the right people, right? Imagine if you could get uh, J.R.R. Tolkien or J.K. Rawlings to come to your campsite and tell, tell stories over the, over the campfire. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Well, here we have the lamb himself who dwells in the midst of his people. During the festival of, during the, the wanderings of the children of Israel, when they wandered in the wilderness, the camps were set up so that the tabernacle, the tent of God's house, the God's symbol of his presence among his people, was right in the middle. And all the other 12 tribes and all the other tents were arranged around it. So there was God right in the middle of his people. And this was, this was true during the, the Festival of Booths as well. The people set up those booths, those tents, all around surrounding the temple so their God was dwelling right in the midst of his people. And that's what we see here in the book of Revelation as well. He is the lamb who dwells in their midst. He is the good shepherd who dwells in the midst of his people. And he dwells in our midst right now, even if we can't see him. And of course, when we get to our heavenly home, he's going to dwell in our midst. He's going to be there with us always in a way that we can see. And now we have the elder who asks that all important, that most important question. Not only the most important question of our text, but probably the most important question of our lives. The elder asks John, who are these? And the elder himself gives the answer, 
These are they who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and were made white in the blood of the Lamb. That's a very important question because we want to be part of this great multitude. We want to be numbered among this unnumbered host, right? We want to go camping with the Lamb. We want to be brought out of this tribulation into that air-conditioned home of heaven where everything is good and there is, there's no tears and no eyes. So who are these people and how did they get there? Where did they come from? The scripture is very clear. They came out of the great tribulation. They didn't make it out by their own cunning or their own craftiness. They didn't, make it, <coughs> they didn't make it out by their own strength or their own intelligence or even by their good deeds. That's not what made them the people of the good shepherd, is it? They were brought out, they were led through the tribulation by the good shepherd. They made it out of the tribulation because Jesus was their good shepherd. Without him as our guide, without Jesus as our good shepherd, there's no way that we're going to make it through the tribulation. And they are the people, the sheep of the good shepherd, because they washed their robes and were made white in the blood of the lamb. Again, they didn't become the people of the shepherd by their own deeds or by their own strength of faith or by their own good works or by their own intelligence. They were people like us, adulterers and murderers and thieves and liars, who nevertheless repented of their sins and received the forgiveness that Jesus offers, they were washed and made white by his blood and became the sheep of the good shepherd. So we too also are his sheep but through baptism, through communion, through faith, through his word. He cleanses us by his blood. And so he is that perfect good shepherd. He is the perfect good shepherd who leads his people and gives us shade. He's our palm tree, right? Who gives us shade even in the tribulation of this world. He leads us to that living, pure water of life. And he is a good shepherd who even went so far as to give his own life to die for his sheep. He is a good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.